I'm Emily Thede, author of This Vicious Grace, coming in summer 2022 from Wednesday Books. And I'm Anna, a teacher and a writer in the Query Trenches. And you're listening to Basic Pitches, where we... Two basic pitches... Break down the basics of writing and being a writer. Hey, you're going to kick off our first second season! Okay, so that's our intro right there. We're there gonna you start go. there. Um, <laughs> hi, we have Meg Long for our first episode of our second season. Hi, Meg. Hi, Meg. First episode. Yes. Starting twenty twenty two, right? Yeah. How we feeling? I know it's technically not twenty twenty two, but how we feeling? How we doing? You know, it's. It's. I feel like debut date is like always too far away and never close enough. <laughs> yeah. Like it feels too close, and then it also feels too far. I'd rather just be here and done. Yeah, that makes right? sense. But I can't fast forward time. Yeah. So. And if this comes <laughs> out on Monday, let's do a calendar check. If this comes out the first Monday of January, that means like your those. debut is a week and a day away. Wow. And we switched to Tuesdays, so technically just a week. Technically right? just, a week. just a week. It's on Tuesdays now, yeah. not Mondays. <gasps> it's very exciting. One week. Yay! How's that feeling? Did that, is so that, one is week that helping you or hurting? <laughs> People keep asking me how I'm feeling. I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have time for feelings. I have to do social media. Yeah. <laughs> I have to do this. And I have to do this. By the way, you are killing it on Instagram. Like killing it well that's a good place to start so why don't you tell our listeners just in case any of them don't know which would be shocking but um tell us uh what your book is called what it's about and then we'd love to hear more about the well at least i'd love to hear more about the lead up to uh launch because i don't know how that all works yet so you know it's exciting uh my name is meg long like they like we said uh my book is cold the night fast the wolf which is a really fun title, except it's really hard for people to remember when I tell them. That title so. is badass. <laughs> no. I love it. I uh, guess it's um, sort of a sci-fi imagining of the Iditarod sled race, um, like kind of mixed in with Mad Max, as if it were set on like an ice planet like Hoth. Mm-hmm, nice. That's good, my, my good short pitch. pitch. I yeah. love this. I got to read it early and I loved it. So I'm, I'm so really jealous. Excited. I'm so mad. <laughs> I, I like live on NetGalley these days, just requesting uh, books, and usually I don't get to read them for a very long time. So dangerous. But, uh, I yes. made an Adel. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna Adelweiss. 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 I made an account, and nice. I made it just like two weeks ago, and I'm mad at myself for not making one earlier. Oh my god, I have so many books in NetGalley that I'm supposed to read. So and many. I, it's like. And then NetGalley like sends you these emails every week being like, hi, have you read it yet? I made the mistake of uh, I requested my own because I'm a big old nerd. And then I panicked because I was like, wait, I feel like I can't leave. Like, this isn't Goodreads. This is like NetGalley. Like, it's like a real legit, like, I shouldn't leave a review here. (laughs) But then if I don't leave a review, then I'm going to get like, like the algorithm's going to mark me as like a person that doesn't read the books that they request. And then people won't let me read other books. So now I'm stuck. (laughs) So, oops. Yeah, I feel that. (laughs) I feel that just because I... Don't have time to read all yeah. the books that I request. <laughs> it's tough to keep up. Maybe after January. <laughs> yes, yes. After January, you can take a break. And so um, is Cold the Night, Fast the Wolves, uh, the first in a duology, a standalone? 
Yes. Well, it's technically a standalone. I'm working on a sequel. Well, I can't call it a sequel because technically it's not. It's a companion novel because the point of view will be switching from to a different main character. Wow. Nice. So there will be more of the story, just new planet, new, new. Oh, I was going to say more cold nights, more fast wolves, or maybe not cold nights and fast wolves. No. Well, there. Well, (laughs) Isco will still be there. Um, it will be the hot yeah, day. The, the wolf will still oh, be okay. there, but mm-hmm. it'll be a different planet. Oh. I don't know what details I can yeah, share yet. Yeah, no, now I'm just brainstorming. I'm like, Secret. hot the day, <laughs> slow the That's what I was rabbit. thinking. Hot <laughs> the day, slow the turtles. <laughs> slow the bunnies. That's much less catchy. Like my actual life motto. <laughs> so true. And so where did you get the idea for your book? When did this come to you? So it's funny, actually, I... In one of my writing group chats, <laughs> one of my friends shared a tweet by Blave, uh, sorry, Blair Braverman. It's early. Um, Blair Braverman, who is an Iditarod racer. She and her husband like live in Alaska, and they raise tons and tons of sled dogs, and they're just really super interesting people. But she is actually a fantastic storyteller, and she had this like tweet story that was like her experience of racing one one year like really late at night and there was like this creepy figure she kept seeing in the woods around her like sled and the dogs like she thought she was hallucinating because it's actually kind of common like when they're racing they, to hallucinate because they're tired and the the elements are so extreme so she thought she was hallucinating but the dogs were like reacting to whatever this figure was oh wow and i just you get to the end of the story and it it turns out just to be this really really extreme person who's like an Iditarod runner in like a full black like running suit and so it was just a person (laughs) yeah I don't know what people are I I couldn't I would die if I I were to do the is that just a person though because I feel like that shouldn't be humanly possible that's the people who (laughs) are out biking the Blue Ridge Parkway up here you're like your car is barely putting up there and there's this person who's like I'm going man oh it's terrifying yeah so it was not she kind of like described it like she thought it was like a demon and so that was what the image like stayed in my mind this girl with these sled dogs in the woods at night and it's snowing and there's like a demon chasing them so that was like the original spark of the idea yes i love it when books are inspired by like something totally random like a tweet like i think it's so fascinating that's That's also how i justify some of my time on twitter is i'm like i'm not wasting time like i i now know of at least like three or four books that were inspired by some random tweet so i'm like no it's like practically research you know yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's like, and it's funny because the story actually started out, I tried to make it a fantasy. Like I was throwing in like, you know, Balto, the story of Balto, yeah. how they had to like save the town uh-huh. with, by bringing medicine and stuff. I was like trying to build this sort of fantasy world around that idea, but it just couldn't, it couldn't get any traction on mm-hmm. it. And so then I was like, what if I made this sci-fi and it was a planet? And then literally it like snowballed together and i wrote it and revised it in like three months i love that oh, wow. it was crazy. that's amazing it it's so inspiring i never to... had that level of productivity yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i feel so, i've actually had been looking back because i wrote almost well i did write entirely sci-fi until i wrote my debut and so sometimes i think about going back to them and trying to change them into fantasy just because i've kind of found my groove here but but I kind of I right. like hearing that So I'm like, you know, maybe not. Maybe I don't have to change them into something yeah. else. Maybe they can just be what they were meant to be. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Right. right. 
super interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of where the book came Very from. Very cool. That's fascinating. Did you have to do um, – were you like interested in Iditarod races or is that something that you had to research a bunch? Like I know not, some people are like, not until I read that. that tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read the tweet. I was like, this is cool. And then I realized like as I'm plotting the story with this big race at the center of the, of the like a- adventure, I was like, I have to figure out how these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, me. And at this point I was living in Louisiana, so there was no snow. Oh, yeah. no sled dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so I I did a lot of research. I did a lot of YouTube watching. Nice. I learned uh, like how they like command. I don't remember now because I have the memory of a squirrel. But you know the commands that they use to um to to control the dogs mm-hmm. and like all the different lines. Yeah. Like I had it all had it all figured out. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember because I, I did. I read research. yours years a while ago, and I'm trying to remember. I know the main characters parents had done this before but i'm trying to remember if she had or not because that's usually my cheat code is to be like oh my main character Mm. doesn't know all the terminology so like if it's wrong in the book it's because the main character doesn't know but i can't remember if you could do that should have thought about that (laughs) no in the story so in the story um senna the main character her mothers both have passed away Mm. they but they died five years ago in the race um, and so that's why she never ever wants to yeah. race. Um, but then, of course, through the, through the course of events, ends up, of course, racing. Um, and so she has to rely on the things that her mother's taught her, which is really hard for her because she is still grieving them. So yeah. every time that she has to, like, talk about them or remember what they taught her, it's, like, it's very emotional for yeah. her. So this race is, like, something she always wanted to do when she was young. Then her mother's died, so then she hated it, and now she's forced to do it. And she has a team of scientists that are relying on her to survive. So it's a lot of pressure um, for That's her amazing. during the race. I love that depth to it, too. I mean, I think it really mm. yeah. adds this this depth and this complexity to the story because it's not just, like, you have an adventure and you have to do this thing. Like, there are all these reasons why it's harder that are beyond the external right. stuff. So those internal stakes just right. feel really, really, um, you know, the hitch in the yeah. heart feels, as we like to say on basic pitches. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. <laughs> that's something. I mean, that's something I've really learned and leaned into in the last like month is as much of the story as you can tie in together. Like th- with your book, she's forced to do this, right? Which forces her to kind of face these feelings that she has. This, um, you know, this she's grief. Like ignored and, and mm-hmm. run away from. She's run away from it for five years. Exactly. Yeah. So it's really hard for her to face. Wow. It's my favorite kind of story, too. The kind of books that really pair that that external, this, like, big, huge life or death thing with this, like, extremely personal, emotional aspect. I actually listened to a podcast um, the other day. It's called uh, – oh, no, it was, it was Mike Birbiglia. Do you guys know Mike Birbiglia, the comedian? No. Mm-mm. He has a podcast, and he had, I think – I forget his name, but he had this guy on and they were talking about their process of learning how to write and how to write comedy movies and how one of them had basically like worked briefly on South Park just to try to figure out what they were doing. And that's where he learned the difference between like just a story that's very plot based versus a story that has that, you know, character based aspect of like the characters are characters are doing things and responding because of their own like emotional internal and how that really makes the story feel more kind of organic and it was just I was listening to it I was like yes yes because yes like in your story it's not just that the outside factors are are acting on her it's that she is making decisions based on who she is based on her past based on her history and those decisions are driving the story forward and it just creates this really propulsive feeling in the story which is 
awesome. Right. Well, I think when I was when I was when I had the idea and I was sort of like laying out what I wanted the plot to look like. Um, part of what I did for this book was that I looked at this idea of this race, right? And I was like, what is the kind of character that would make this the most compelling, mm-hmm. right? It, I didn't actually start with Senna and her prop, like her backstory. I started with the race. Yeah. And, I, and I crafted Senna to fit the race so that way it would all be more emotional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was an interesting, it's kind of like a backwards wow. way to write uh, a book, That's I guess. how I write a lot of times too. <laughs> so yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I, I wrote the character to fit the kind of external plot that I wanted to, to play Ooh, with. Okay. Can yeah. you talk about, okay, I'm really fascinated. Can you, can you like, without like giving away things or like, no, well, can you explain that? So I, I want to learn. That, like, okay, every, when I'm, when I'm coming up with, and this is true for my like world building, like, okay, I have a race on a sci-fi planet. Why? Why can't they just take up like a ship to mm-hmm. where they need to go? So I had to create a reason. And the reason is that there's these terrible like ion storms in the atmosphere that are constantly, they, they knock out um, like the tech. Quality, yeah. And so you can't just fly a ship over there. Your ship might crash. So that's why we have a race. Okay, great. And so it's kind of the same thing with the character. I'm like, okay, we have this race. It's going to be a survival story. I've been, I looked at like all these old sort of frontier books, classics, you know, called the wild stone Fox. And so like the driving force behind them was this, this person with this animal. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, how can I make this more emotionally compelling instead of just shoving them together? Well, I give the girl a history where she, her mom, one of her mother's was a racer. And so they raised dogs and they, you know, rehabilitated these wolves. And so for her to, when her mother's died, she just like pushed that whole world away. And so when she's forced to do this race with this kind of feral fighting wolf, she has to revisit all of that stuff that she has been like, like pushing, pushing, pushing out of her life. And so that makes the race that much more compelling. Yes, survival is scary and, and, and like intense and easy to write, right? Oh, here's a giant like bear. Oh, there's an ice storm. Oh, like that's easy. But like to make it emotional, you have to like dig deeper into the characters. So I was like, why would this character find this so hard? Why wouldn't she want to do the race? And so that sort of like drove all my decisions as the plot kept going. Yeah. I love that. That question, that three yeah. little word, like three little letter question, is my favorite question, and it's my biggest advice to anyone ever is to say, ask yourself why. Like every time, yeah. every single, like even yeah. for the smallest details of like, I wanted this mm. wall to be red. Okay, why? Why? <laughs> like, why? why? Yeah. Yep. Just know, yeah, like why it, it doesn't have to make it to the way. page. Sorry, mm-hmm. what was that? Right. Yeah. No. Why? Why is the character this way? Why is the world this way? Like. Mm-hmm. everything needs a why yeah. so that way your story makes sense. Because that's how people are. And I think that that's too, like, if you think yeah. of real life, you know, we, I think people love to act like we act in rational ways, but we don't. Everything we do is driven by our emotions. It's driven by our past experiences. Like, that's why two different people will do different things in the same situation. And for me, I think the the real art of a well-told story is crafting the character so well that the readers understand why they do the things they do even if it's not what the reader would have done. And I think you do a really beautiful job of that in the story because, yeah. You know, I love that part of any story where you're like, no, this is a bad idea, but also you completely understand why they're doing it. And, yeah, it's, yeah. My whole first act is like, Senna, this is a really bad idea. What are you doing? (laughs) As all first acts should be, yes. Right? Even it's funny because I sent a copy to my dad once I had a paper copy um, and he read it and 
me these like slew of texts like, why is she so angry? <laughs> like, well, did you not read the book? Hear yeah. about, did, her mother died. Right. She's so she's so much attitude all the time. No. I just want to just like, you know, her and then give her a hug. I wrote a book that will probably yeah. never see the light of day. And I, I did a writing class and I was the only person that writing YA at the time. And I remember there's this one scene where the character in that book, which again is not getting published, this is not a spoiler, the character basically like discovers that her her mother is like a horrible, like kind of pl- plotting a genocide in many ways. And the character like gets really upset, you know, feels sure. nauseous, like almost passes the whole thing. And there was this older man in the class that was like, I feel like she's just being a little over emotional here. Like, and I was like, ah. Oh, She's a 17-year-old girl that just found out something horrific about her only family member. Like That is exactly what I told my dad. I was like, Dad, you're not – it's about a teenager. Also, you are not the target audience, so I need you to settle down. Yep. (laughs) So true. But that's why I love YA so much because I think the emotions are so visceral and so raw because that age is just an age where everything hits a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, And when I'm reading Mm. a book, I want to read about characters that are feeling things – Really deeply, yeah. all the things, right. the good things and the bad things. So, very cool. And making these decisions yes. that are just kind of terrible. Exactly. But then they have to figure out a way out of them, which I is like, it. I think is really fun. Yeah. Characters one of my making terrible things. decisions is gold. Yes. One of my favorite things is whenever something happens in a book, and I'm, I'm, I know, I can already tell this is going to happen with when I read this book, is something happens and you know in your heart how the character will respond. Like, you know ahead of time. You're like, oh, it's, it's the whole thing of, like, you see them make a bad decision. You're like, why are you making this bad decision? It's kind of the reverse of, yeah. I know they're going to make this bad decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I turn this like, page, oh, no. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> you just messed up. Oh, no. And I can't wait. Yeah. I remember reading yeah, something once that, in the beginning. that said, like, I remember I had a, a kind of an evolution in my storytelling where I used to think that, like, surprise events had to be a surprise to the reader. And then someone was like, no. It doesn't have to be a surprise. Like, it's not a failure if the readers figure out what's coming before the characters do. Like, I used to think that was not the goal. And then I realized that that's not true. Actually, it's a really powerful experience as a reader when you get that sense of like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And yes, the character hasn't got it yet. Um, But I think that was one of my like going from like a new writer to a more experienced writer. Like, that was a big shift for me in realizing that like, it actually is kind of beautiful when you you set things up and you drop those hints and you create that character so well that the readers can anticipate some of the plot twists in yeah. a way that just like makes yeah. it even harder because they're already like cringing. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, then it's you're ratcheting up their like suspense yes. and tension, but also giving them a lot of satisfaction because yep. then they turn out to be like yes, right exactly yeah. And, yeah. and then you pull the wool the the rug out from under them and like do another yes, twist. Yes, right exactly. Yeah, and point. it's not just then you don't just have the surprise like because they're still experiencing the surprise with the character, but they also have that tension right. building up to it, which is chef's kiss. I love that perfection. Yeah, that's so what you good. want. Lots of tension. So we have um, – I'm going to, like, pivot here for a second. Uh, we have a very, like, rabid sci-fi fan base. Like, a lot of us are really just ready for sci-fi to – I'm not going to say come back because that's a lie. It never went away. Um, we have – Publishing just tried to trick us. I know yeah. that. We've talked about that on the podcast before. How about. many of our guests are people writing fantasy now that wrote science fiction? Like, I feel like most of our guests are like, well, the first few things they wrote were all science fiction. Like, clearly yeah. there is an audience if yeah. we're all out there writing we it. Want it. I mean, yeah. 
So can you talk to us? You've talked about, um, I love the idea that it was fantasy first and now it's sci-fi. I don't know how much there is there to like kind of pick apart and talk about like that transition of fantasy to sci-fi, how easy that was, what that looks like. And then also what is, how did sci-fi lend itself better to your story? You've talked a little bit about that, but how did it lend itself better than fantasy did? Actually, honestly, I, I love reading fantasy. Let me just put that out there. Uh, no, I have no caveats against fantasy writers, obviously. But I cannot create a magic system to save my life. I don't know why. It just at, it, There's nothing driving me to figure out how the magic works. I feel like I just don't have originality. <laughs> I don't know. So when it comes to, so when I was like drafting this and like, you know, thinking of this fantasy ice world and this village that needed medicine, I was like, okay, what's, what's the magic? And then I was like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I feel I don't, actually. I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah. Um, so for me, switching it to sci-fi opened up this whole new avenue where it's like, okay, we have ships and we have, what kind of weapons do we have and, and what kind of um, technology is there, you know, that exists in this sort of um, sci-fi, you know, universe. And that to me was so much more um, driving mm-hmm. Um, in my world building. So I just, as much as I love reading fantasy and I respect people that come up with these crazy, unique magic systems, I just, I don't, I don't have that gene. I think there's, (laughs) and I love, I think there are a lot of writers that are starting to, obviously it's not like a totally new thing, but I think there's a little more um, interest right now in the stories that really kind of blur those lines. Because as we know, publishing for a while there kind of said, why sci-fi is out, which again, it's never out for the readers. And it just they kept publishing. Yeah, them. yeah, never. exactly. I mean, we all know publishing is sometimes a little delayed compared to like what the actual readers, like if you talk to people in libraries, they're like, yeah, no, teens are still coming in asking for these books. But I think sure. now that uh, publishing is starting to kind of swing back, I think there are also a lot of, you know, fantasy writers who used to write science fiction and didn't get those books off the ground and vice versa and people kind of blending the two and I actually one of my kids asked me like a few weeks ago like wait so this so your books is fantasy but then this one is sci-fi like what's the difference and so I had to really think about the difference and the way I kind of explained it to my kids was that um fantasy is dependent on magic which means that we don't always necessarily understand how it works, whereas science fiction, the kind of the magic, is something that theoretically could be true but isn't true. However, if you took technology from now and you took it back in time, people would definitely think it was magic. So, like, it's very easy to kind of blur those lines. Wait, and- there's, there, like, truly, if, I, if you ask me, like, what's the difference – to me, there is no difference. <laughs> one is theoretically possible and one is yeah. not. Like, but at the same time, that's the difference. I trust yeah. that 200 years from now, the technology they have, if someone told me about it now, I would be like, that's not possible. That's magic. It's magic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you went back in time with, a, with an yeah. iPhone to the Middle Ages, people yeah. would absolutely, you know, burn you at the stake for being a witch. So Correct. I mean, like, I even have a scene in one of my books that it's currently not gone anywhere, but might, that is a science fiction but they're they're one of my my favorite part of this entire book, which is like the one reason why I probably want to try to bring it back someday, is that a character approaches a character and says, "We think you have this ability," and then the the main character is like, "What like what magic?" And the the love interest is like, "No no 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 it's not magic. Like magic's just a word 
that we use to explain things that we don't understand. And she's like, okay, so how does it work? And he's like, well, we're still trying to figure that out. And she's like, so it's magic. And (laughs) I think that there's so much fun to be had in that space of like, Mm -hmm. even putting characters in a world where they don't quite understand things enough. And like, where do you draw the line between technology and magic? And um, yeah, so I think there's going to be a golden age coming up. There's a lot of cool stuff coming out in. And also, like, with all the pop culture stuff, like Marvel movies, those are basically sci-fi with a light side of fantasy (laughs) thrown on top. I mean, you can call it science fantasy. You can call it sci-fi. People get in arguments over this on Twitter. Oh, yeah. It is what it is. I'm always like, well, (laughs) Thor's fantasy, but Iron Man's sci-fi. But if you're putting them in the same one, then I guess it's the, like, I mean, (laughs) we've we've mentioned that on the podcast, too. Like, that's been a big thing. And that kind of has stuck in my head is, like, if you like Marvel movies... Don't yeah. say you don't like sci-fi. Yeah. You like sci-fi <laughs> because there's aliens <laughs> right. and technology. They're the yeah, they're the same. I also think that. Oh no! Yeah, I also think that there's a lot of stigma around sci-fi because people think it has to be like Dune mm-hmm. or like you know these big epics and lots of military stuff. And I mean, and that's a that's a big part of sci-fi, but that's a big part of old sci-fi. Yeah. Yes, but also yeah. like when I think White of Dune, it sci-fi. is Agreed. sci-fi, but it feels like <laughs> fantasy. Whereas, like, you know, like, it's the whole, like, Star Trek Trek versus Star Wars. Yeah, like, Star Wars is space wizard, so that's, in my mind, is fantasy, but most people would probably say sci-fi because spaceships, like, but it's not the future, it's the past, and the, you know, but then, you know, I love Star Trek, I consider that sci-fi, but super scientific people might be like, yeah, but, like, how does that thing work, really? Like, is that possible, or is that kind of magical thinking? I don't know. Yeah. There's so many variations of what sci-fi can be, and I think people in their heads, they just think, oh, big sweeping space yeah. opera with lots of military stuff. That's only one area of sci-fi. Yeah. There's like dystopian. Millions more. Dystopian, superheroes. That's where that um, I, I, I'm still wrestling with how I feel about it when they talk about accessible sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, that's, that, that is what sold my yeah. book. <laughs> right? I think, like, and it's it's handy and it's useful because that lets people know, like, okay, it's not that old, like you said, old military, white man yeah. space military opera. space opera sci-fi. It's something a little more accessible, which just more means that it's based, a just grounded, a normal yeah. character-based young adult yeah. But then book. we don't Pick have a up. similar phrase for fantasy, which I actually exactly. think we need right. because my book would be considered – epic fantasy because it's another world but it's not it's not a sprawling world it's very character based yeah, right. it would be if it was science fiction right. it would be like grounded science fiction accessible but because it's fantasy it's considered like epic other world fantasy and I'm like but that's not accurate right. either Secondary. so yeah. yeah hmm we just need to come up with our own category. It's true. If one label applies to one, it should apply to the yeah, other. That's where my, it, that's where my icky feelings start is yeah. <laughs> if we look at sci-fi and we want to keep labeling it as accessible, then why aren't we doing that with fantasy? I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I'm not making any claims, but... <laughs> No, and you could claim that Lord of the Rings, if it was sci-fi, it would be super, super hard. Oh. It would be hard sci-fi. Yeah. It's, like, super complex. There's, like, a hundred moving parts. The magic is really, really, like, detailed. Yes. And, I'm thinking about... But yet, it's, like, the the class, the most classic fantasy of all time. Yes. I think about Game of Thrones and, most recently, Wheel of Time. My husband is, like, rereading the Wheel of Time series, and he keeps talking to me about it. And there are so many things happening there that I'm, like... 
This is such, and like people have been, and when Dune came out, it was the same thing. Whenever people went to bookstores or libraries to pick up Dune, they were like, you realize that this is not the movie. It's a hard book. This is a hard yeah. book. And like <laughs> Wheel of Time, there's like 14, however many books. Yeah. And they're all right. these like different points of view, different things going on, different yeah. politics. And people are like, you realize what you're getting into when you start this, yeah. right? Like that's But then even like I don't, it's true. I never read a lot of, hard sci-fi and yet I love like I loved Star Trek growing up and someone could look at Star Trek and say okay we're talking spaceships we're talking like multiple cultures we're talking all this stuff but to me that feels really grounded because it's super you know it's got the same small cast of characters it's very much about kind of their lives and their experiences so you know I think I think publishing tries very hard to come up with labels to help readers find the books that they want but hasn't quite figured out how to do that yet I feel like a lot of those labels are just old. Yeah. And they apply mm-hmm. to, like, what publishing wants readers to yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not what readers actually are anymore. I've seen your sold as the accessible label. But then I think the adventure story mm-hmm. has been a big one. And I think that's amazing, yeah. too, because a lot, of, a lot of young readers, being a teacher now, like, working at a library, a lot of readers really want that action-packed adventure story and it is a little scary for some of these you know young readers to say it's a sci-fi because their brain still goes to those old labels and you have to say no it's it's an adventure story so i could Mm -hmm. very easily take your book and say hey did you like hatchet because all kids are obsessed with hatchet (laughs) and i can say did you love hatchet you're gonna love this this do you like star wars (laughs) you're gonna love this like that's so smart that kind of labeling is smart. Well, it's even the distinction between, like, character-based versus plot-based. Like, I hear this one a lot, and I'm like, I don't think – like, there are some – There shouldn't be I'm a like, Yeah, like, <laughs> there are most – like, because someone might say, like, is my book character-based or plot-based? I'm like, well, I mean, there's big, huge world stakes, but it's very much character-based at the same – like, it's very character-based. Character so, focus. yeah, I mean, yeah. I think, you know, being a mentor, I spend a lot of time talking to my mentee about that, that, like – you know, we talk about like trying to line up like plot beats and emotional beats. And I'm like, well, they shouldn't be separate. Like they should be connected. No, they should be. Re- yeah, they should be yeah. related to each other. Just like I was saying earlier, like Senna's whole backstory is what's driving mm-hmm. the race part of the book. Like, yes, I could write a race that, you know, this happens, mm-hmm. this happens, this happens. But why do we care? Yeah. Because this is really hard for Senna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that not only are you in her shoes, you know, doing this extremely difficult thing, you're in her shoes feeling these like complex range of emotions that she's having during this. Right. And I think that's the whole fantasy. Like if we shift back to fantasy, I have picked up so many fantasy books that I won't name one because I know it has a very rabid fan base, but the whole (laughs) middle chunk of the book, and they'll know what it is when I say this, (laughs) is just these two people going through a field and I don't care about it. Like, I don't care. I don't care. I remember being like, this is so awful. Like, I'm not attached to the character. If something in that field and traveling through a field with a single person and things in that field affected this person personally, then I would have cared. But you can sell it as adventure. Yeah, it has to have an emotional impact. Exactly. But tie it in with the emotions and almost anything can be captivating. But if you leave out the emotions and sometimes even the most action-packed story cannot be captivating. Yeah, they just – like I don't well, care. think about all the action movies that have come out in the last like 10 years that just 
bored yeah. you. Yes. Like, yeah, I like explosions as yeah. much as the next person, but I also am bored with them by now. Yeah. You have to give me a reason to care yes. about all these explosions. Very true. I mean, even yes. like even with Marvel, like I won't break down like my favorites and not favorites, but there was a little stretch of time there in some of the like Avenger movies that I, I kinda I wasn't as invested because it some of the, some of yeah. them for a while were very just explosions, explosions, fight, 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 fight. And I was like, that's fine, yeah. but like that's not actually what I'm here for. Whereas I felt like in kind of later years, they really dug deeper into those characters and like what connected them and what they were motivated by. And then I was super invested. So, um, yeah, I think there's so much to be learned as writers to like think about your favorite books and movies and like why why is this part so significant? Or like what was that part that Mm -hmm. made you catch your breath? Because it's usually not like you think it's because, oh, because this person got, you know, punched in the face or stabbed and like that was shocking but if you actually ask people but like why why was it shocking why was it so emotional it's because you care about that character or you care about the character I think about this all the time when I'm watching like some of my old favorite sci-fi movies Mm -hmm. and and different things like every time I watch Terminator 2 I literally turn it off after like the crisis (laughs) like I love act 1 and act 2 and act 3 is just a bunch of explosions yeah Yeah. (laughs) Board next. Right. I admit, I did not see the Terminator movies until very recently. Um, I think it was one of those things I thought I had maybe at some point. But anyway, so I was right. watching the first one. I mean, probably in the past like year or so, and I was like, "Wait, there's a love story subplot in this movie? Uh-huh. Nobody told me this." And I thought marketing fail because for most of my life I was like, eh, "Okay, so it's Arnold Schwarzenegger." Pew, 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 pew. Like, what's, where's my motivation? <laughs> then I was like. No, it's not like it's a it's a story. There's a love story, like there's a whole like mother and son thing thread running through yeah. them. Like people. Yeah. Marketing people. You aimed it towards one crowd, you forgot to market it to me, and so it took me a long mm-hmm. time to to realize it. So, you know. Those hooks. Gotta find those hooks yep. for different people. Different yeah, people have different and hooks. It's just funny to think about. I often like there's a ton of I can make a list of sci fi movies that I love the first two acts and then I usually turn it off at the mm-hmm. end. <laughs> Because it's just, like, not emotionally satisfying. <laughs> um, this is a resource I've been sharing. Like, I I am preaching the good word of it. And I think it just made its rounds to the Pitch Wars mentees this year in an, an official email. But it is Michael Arndt, um, who wrote Little Miss Sunshine, did um, Endings, The Good, The Bad, and The Insanely Good. And mm. it teaches you how that. to avoid – he basically breaks down and he's very like – he spends like 15 minutes declaring that this is not the only way to write, which yeah. I was like, I love this person. Thank I you love very that, much. yeah, because, man, huh. nothing I hate more than it's when someone's so like, this is the only acceptable way yeah. to write. Mm-mm. And he yeah. he breaks down three different movies. He breaks down Star Wars, the first one. He breaks down um, The Graduate. And then he breaks down Little Miss Sunshine to show you how the – formula which he wouldn't call it a formula he's like this is how this thing works to make sure you don't just have explosions and Mm -hmm. you know inane things happening and he even takes a couple movies and breaks like he talks about like you know this movie fell flat and this is why and he links it to like a couple different things like philosophical stakes um there's personal stakes external (laughs) philosophical it's amazing it's so good and i'm I'm exactly the same way now. Like now I can kind of sense, uh-oh, we've gone away from the personal stakes and the philosophical yeah. stakes and we're just – It's too big. Too big. It's gotten too, too big. It's not a personal too anymore. Big. And it's fun when, when things combine because, because – Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know I was <laughs> – that you talk about this ending thing. I did – I realized – like I've had this connection when I was watching – you're going to laugh, but the Mission Impossible movie with Tom mm-hmm. Cruise and uh, Superman, Henry Cavill. Yes. The most, I think it's the most recent one. 
Okay, it's a silly action movie, but you get to the act three and suddenly his former girlfriend is there and now the stakes are higher because he has to save Mm -hmm. her. And so I realized like, oh, we just kind of like put a little emotional inciting incident yeah. right in the end of that, or the beginning of act three. That's what, right? that's what I'm missing. And so like a mission impossible movie what, laugh. Yeah. But, hey, I was like riveted to the screen, even though it was a bunch of explosions. I mean, to be honest, Henry Cavill oh reloads gosh. his meat fists yes. in that Hello. movie. I just punched my microphone because he does that whole thing in the bathroom scene where he's like, with his meat fist. Well, it's a surprisingly good movie. Like, of all the Mission Impossibles, I think I like that one. I could just best. get a whole list of things to do. Um, so, yeah, I think, too, I always say, like, learning more about plot and like structure and writing in some ways can ruin a lot of movies and books for me but in so many other ways I think it makes them like I appreciate them so much more like even things like that Mm -hmm. like it doesn't have to be an absolute masterpiece of a movie or a book but I love it when I'm like oh I see what you did there like that was well done clever clever yeah Yeah. Um, I'm Probably if you ask my family members, they would argue that it ruins their movie experience because I spent a lot of time being like, ooh, that feels like a midpoint. That feels like... No, my, uh, my husband has gotten used to me going... Get the get the remote. Get the yeah, remote. Pause yeah. it. Pause it. And this, he's like, this, let me guess. We just hit the midpoint. And I'm like, or he's now he's like, he knows midpoint. And then he'll yep. get he goes, Let me guess. Is this the darkest moment? Yep. I'm like, yeah. That's my youngest. Oh, she gets very stressed out. We've discussed it on the podcast before, but she'll start to kind of do that like crawling away from the screen thing, you know, when you're like backing up, pressing yourself yeah. against the couch. And even she now will go, it's the darkest moment. It's just the darkest moment. It's the darkest moment. Because <laughs> like, she knows that, like, when you feel that, I'm like, then it's going to turn around soon. Like, you just got to get through it. And because she used to always want us to leave. She would be like, nope, 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 nope. I don't like it. And just, like, try to book it out of the room. And so I had to, like, basically teach her story structure to be like, no, honey, when you feel that, that's your sign that, like, you're at the end of the hard part and it's going to turn around now. Like, it's going to get better. And so it's been so fascinating because it's like having a little – emotional beat barometer sitting right next to me and it makes me more aware of my reactions and so I've gotten better at feeling that shift that it's like oh something has changed now in this character dynamic like the tension's rising here and it's 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 pretty cool actually that must be why I like dislike to watch movies with like the reverse arc where everything's going really well and then everything crashes at the end and they you know like the negative character arc I think I hate watching those movies because I feel exactly like your daughter like no it's gonna get worse I can't do it (laughs) we recently watched the first half of Jurassic Park I love Jurassic Park but they're not ready love Jurassic they're not ready for the scary dinosaur part but I was like but it's still like I still want you to experience this so I basically just said I said we're gonna watch the first half and my kids being my kids they understood that that meant oh okay so we're not gonna get to the scary stressful part cool and so we just watched the first half so that now they have this context of Jurassic Park and then when they're ready we'll watch the rest but because they didn't need the action part I watched that movie when I was 10 and it scarred me and and it impacted me for life that's why we only did the first half yes I I remember I was scared of it my brother my mom took my brother to the theater I remember and I did not want to go because I thought I would be scared and then when I finally did watch it years later I was like oh my gosh I love this movie and I'm so sad I didn't get to see it on the big screen so you know kind of trying to like dip their little toes into it but there was no filter in my house it was (laughs) in the deep end from age like eight yeah But they love, you know, that's another great example of a story that really sets up, you know, you set up this character who doesn't like kids and then suddenly he's with these kids. And like, even again, my children are like, oh, see, he doesn't like kids, but I bet he's going to have to take care of those kids and he's going to start liking those kids. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can see the emotional stakes already. (laughs) 
they don't need the actual, you know, dinosaur eating people. They just wanted the the experience of the dinosaurs. They'll get there. They'll get there. <laughs> I try and slip a Jurassic Park like like quote almost in everything yeah, I, I write. <laughs> I um, so I need to know right now that when I read your book on in January, um, will I find one? You will probably find a Jurassic yes. Park, if not direct quote, like a slight reference, My fa- and definitely a Star Wars reference. Yes. <laughs> It's funny because somebody somebody on Instagram was like, oh, this this had the best like little side quote to Star Wars. And I'm like, oh, snap. What did yes. I write? Like, <laughs> I love it. That's I'm ready to do an annotated, uh, you know, arc of my book because I, I do the same thing. A lot of times it's sometimes it's not even intentional the first time around. And then I catch it and I realize and I'll kind of turn it up or right. put these references in and. I like to leave them for readers to find themselves, but I also would love to go through at some point and really find them for myself because I think that's so fun. Right. Because I, I don't remember what yeah. I'm <laughs> My favorite thing is uh, knowing these people because it was with Lauren Blackwood that I was like, hold up. Did we get a – is this a Loki reference? And I immediately texted her and was like, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> excuse me. Also, was this a Hamilton reference? Yeah, I got that one too. So I'm going to be doing that for you. My favorite. Yes. I'm just ready. My siblings definitely both read it and they were like, it's weird to read something you write because it sounds like you, even though we know it's not you and it's this other character. Yes, I just gave. like, the character is nothing like me. Nothing like me. It's not a stand in for me at all. They're like, no, it still sounds like you. Yeah, you. The references are there. They know. Yes. Very true. Yeah, I always say that, like, Alessa is not me, but in some ways Alessa is, like, teen me if I had some of my adult parts put, like, you know what I mean? Like, because she's very much not person my age. Like, we're very different in some ways, but there is this kind of core to it. Um, But yeah, her sense of humor is one that I'm like, yeah, I own that one. That's all mine. And uh, now that my uh, father-in-law is reading it, I will just never speak to him again no (laughs) and my father-in-law has been really excited to read it for a very long time and has been asking when he could and so I realized okay I can actually save myself if I give him an ARC now because I won't probably see them until the summer and by then it just it's in the past yes whereas going to the beach in the summer with like other family members that are currently reading it or have just read it is a little terrifying (laughs) Writing family is yeah, families intense. <laughs> so, how has lead up to debut year been? How is that going? We've talked a little bit about um, it. Yeah, it's it. You know, being in publishing is super interesting. It's its own adventure sure. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, there's it's you just get emails and it's like, hey, by the way, this is happening, and you're like, okay. Oh, <laughs> Uh, I would love to have known that two months ago, not for any particular reason, just for my own sanity, but fine. I'm really excited that that's happening. Right yeah, that's, that's the thing that I, that's publishing. I always ask that's people, amazing. like, what, you know, people always say, like, well, your debut year is so intense. And I was always like, but, but why? Like, I don't understand. Like, once you turn in the final edits, like, what, what do you do? And it always seemed like no author could ever tell me. And now that I'm kind of getting there, I'm like, okay, I get it now. Because it's not like a certain thing. It is that. It's like you get an email that's like, hey, we have this questionnaire. Can you turn it in in two days? Hey, we have this, you know, thing we needed to write or this whatever. Like just this constant kind of pop-up of little stuff. And I'm actually trying to write a lot of it down now. Because even things like pull quotes, 
I was like, I've read this book five billion times, and I didn't know I was going to be expected to pull out some of my favorite lines. And if I had known that a million years ago, I would have started keeping track of them. Yes. And so I'd love to be able to give, like, new debuts, kind of a checklist of, like, here are some questions you should have answers prepared for. You know, you need your long bio, your short bio. What inspired you to write this book? Like, yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, have some answers ready for these basic questions. Like, have them saved in a file so you can tweak them because people are going to ask you the same stuff, but you don't want to write the same answers. Just like get those pull quotes ready. If you write a line and you love it, put it down in a file because put it down. Yep, I had to do that too. I had to go through and like skim and pull out stuff. Yeah, and it's like after first pass pages, and I was like, I just spent way too long reading over every single word in this. Why didn't you tell me this before (laughs) pass pages? I could have done it at the same time. I think it's because people in publishing don't, like, they forget that us newbies don't know what we're doing. We don't know what's coming. So, yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm trying to come up with a little, like, guide for for other people. That's super awesome. We'll see if I get it. Feel free to ask if you ever need any additional things. Yes, please. I will try and contribute. Yeah, I'm, like, six months behind Um, you on this training, so, yeah, I'm like super A type. I and when it comes to like planning things, I just want to know in advance so that way I can like wrap my brain around it and prepare for all sorts of you know outcomes. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like publishing has made me be like <laughs> in the background, <laughs> trying not to bother them because they don't know yet either. Yeah. And it's like, well, are we doing what are we doing when the book comes out? Is there like a launch event? I would have liked to known in October. Yeah, right. And then especially Did these I know days, no, everything and that is makes... like in person not in person virtual not virtual like it's just a lot yeah that makes your earlier comment about doing what is in your control make Mm -hmm. a whole bunch more sense like social media you can control that like yep that that makes a ton of sense because a lot of it is out of your control it seems Uh, yeah yeah i'm it's i know authors that are like planning their entire like two weeks of social media in advance up to their like release date I'm just doing like two days in advance. Yeah. Like I'm like, oh, I have two posts for next week. Great. Done. I nice. keep telling myself <laughs> once I've really finished this draft of the sequel, then I'm going to make a bunch of social media content and have it ready. And I'm like, that's probably never going to happen. It's always going to be <laughs> just like 24 hours. If I can pull it off, I pull it off. But huh. yeah, I, I will tell you as somebody in the midst of the three weeks out, more stuff has been coming down the pipeline. So it's been easier to do content oh, nice. like Oh, I got my my final copy yeah. of my book, so I got to like make a video. That makes sense. And saving that for like this week, and then stuff like that just keeps popping up. That's so smart. it's not impossible. Yeah. Well, my parents are. You don't have to plan too too much in advance. My parents are hoping to go to Italy. They've they've booked a. Tra- they're hoping to go back to Italy in April if it is safe to do so. And I'm sending them with an an ARC of my book, and I have already told them it is your responsibility to take pictures of it everywhere in front of every Italian thing you can find and I'm going to use those pictures for social media content forever don't let me down that's my plan that's my current plan it's a great plan that is a great plan (laughs) my plan for future social media I would love it if people took pictures of my book with their dogs (laughs) yes that's That's so cute yeah (laughs) spread the word if you take a picture of your dog in my book I will post it so are you still in a warm weather climate or is there any chance that snow will happen for you Oh, I live in Colorado, okay. but you know, climate change. Yeah. So oh. it hasn't, sto- it snowed once this year. Once. But yep. theoretically December. you could grab one of those final copies right now and just drive to some snow and take a bunch of pictures, right? Well, I did take some pictures when it snowed a All few right. weeks ago. So I have like nice, a few. Nice. nice. But I hate the cold. So it was like a yeah. 
I love, I love this. everybody that I would die on my eyes. <laughs> that is my favorite I would literally thing to die know. within five minutes of arriving. I would freeze nice. to death. I love going into this book knowing that. <laughs> it's going to be my favorite thing yep. in the world. This is why I'm, this is why I'm nothing like my main character. Yeah. She like survives in the wilderness. I am like non-nature well, person. I love but nature you're pretty from tough. a <laughs> I've seen you punching stuff. There's, there's punching in your life. Kickboxing, correct? Yes. That, that's the that is the only like super authentic yeah. <laughs> lived experience that I wrote. I love it. The rest of it, I would be cowering in a basement somewhere next to a fire. Yeah, I mean, I guess what's true. The only true aspect of that for me with my character is that like I would absolutely, if I was chosen to save the world, I would be much like Alessa, being like, I did not sign up for this. I would like to not do this alone, please. I'm probably maybe you made a bad choice. Not sure if this was a great plan. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> We'll see if she pulls it off. Better than I could. But I do not have magical powers. Yeah. My main character is way stronger than I um, could ever be in the wild the things. I love that. <laughs> I don't like bugs. Oh, I'm, I, I'm a disaster. I like bugs <laughs> that makes me feel so much better. Although I Because <laughs> I've written, like, one of my, like, favorite books that I've ever written that's, like, on a shelf and it will never see the light of day is someone who could, like kick ass like yeah. they just they were like really good at fighting and that was their whole thing and I was like hi I like baking and yeah like sometimes doing yoga <laughs> like, I can't do any of this okay. you know what there are various there's so many kinds of like strength this that true? was yeah. one of the reasons why my editor loved the book because she's like she does fight but it's not like her thing yeah she fights yeah. in, like, one scene, and that's it. The rest of it is just, like, using her skills mm-hmm. uh-huh. and knowledge to survive, and that's, like, a different kind of strength. And so, yeah. you know what? It's embraced. Embrace all the strength I love that it. you Very have. True. Baking is your strength. Live it. Well, that's why I also, like I said, I, my cheat code for my book is, you know, that the love interest is a fantastic fighter. He's very strong. He's very skilled. And I had this moment where I thought, I don't really know the terminology for any of this stuff, uh, but neither does my main character ta-da so like throughout the book she's like you know and then she just because it's her point of view obviously you know it's like he got him in some sort of like headlock arm twisty doodly thing because like, like it's authentic That's to her if she doesn't know what it is but uh she doesn't know the yep. name I make up names if it makes me feel better nice. when I teach kickboxing. So I'm always making up, like, you do this skippy hop and then you do the kick. Okay, this might actually influence my book, too, because there are some scenes with fighting that I was like, I don't know how to just... And it's hard to even, like, reference it because you look it up being like, what do you call the thing with the thing with the arms and the leg? But theoretically, in a fantasy world, they wouldn't necessarily have the same terminology. So, you know, no. there you go. If you want, you can... You can email me and I'll I tell you the will. actual name. <laughs> and then I'll tell you what I would call it if I were teaching there, yeah, it. Yeah, my brother does a Brazilian jiu-jitsu and he said he likes to watch something where they do um, – there's like a website that like – I don't know. They like break down the moves or whatever. And I was yeah. like I should just watch that for a long time and just steal a lot of the phrases. But eh, we'll see. It's not hard. You got it. Yeah. You got it. I love it. <laughs> well – this is the part where I don't know ever what to do. This is the part where we ask our question if we can remember what our question was. Oh, yeah. The can, the, can you pitch your book badly thing. Oh, yeah. Then a while. Clearly a we bad, are out of practice. Like, yeah, we are really out of practice. So, Meg, uh, you do not have to do this if you're like, please, I don't – I'm no, then thank you. Um, and then <laughs> we'll edit this out and pretend it never happened. Yep. Um, but what we do is we have people on our podcast pitch their book in the most boring, mundane – horrible way possible so it's like it's really a book about nothing um so like, can you can you know snow day gone wrong let never 
um, this is a book about a girl who's pretty grumpy and meets a dog who's also grumpy <laughs> and they like run around the woods and stuff. Nice. Yay! 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 <laughs> They run around the woods and run around stuff. around the woods and, and stuff. stuff. And the and stuff does a totally lot of work it. there. <laughs> so when can people buy this book about a girl who's kind of grumpy with a dog who's kind of grumpy running around the woods and stuff? When can they buy this? <laughs> uh, you can pre-order it now. And you and should. if you submit your receipt, you get a present in the mail from Wednesday. Nice. Oh, present! Uh, it's like a, a present. You get a book plate and a bookmark and a Silver, ster- sterling silver uh, wolf nice. necklace. What? I'm cool. sending that in. I always feel kind of guilty yeah. like sending stuff to Wednesday and being like, hi, it's me. <laughs> Can I have the pre-order goodies? <laughs> but I'm doing it. That's cool. <laughs> That's uh, Yeah, it's super cool. So if you pre-order, you get a you get a And I did. Um, and if you don't pre-order, that's okay. You can just order it, order it. Uh, it comes out January yeah. 11th. Or walk into Yay. a bookstore, but make sure you do it that week. First week sales are really important, folks. Do it. That's yes. True. Hence the present. Yes. <laughs> get the present. Pre-order the book. Get the present. Get the present. Get run the around present. the woods and stuff. Yes. And then That's hope right. it snows where you, you live. Run around the woods with there you. Yeah. And then take pictures of Meg's book in the snow near your house. Post it on and Instagram. And take a picture yeah. um, with, a dog. with a dog. With a dog. If you have a husky, if bonus points. If you like points. dogs. Yes. If you like dogs, you will like my yes, book. Yes. That is a th- that I can also terrible. give you this one spoiler for people that are worried. The wolf does not no, die. Woo! does not die. Take good care no, of those wolves. Not do that. Uh, ever since I learned about doesthedogdie.com, <laughs> I have never turned away. I have never turned away. I love that. Oh my God. No, the dog does not there die. There was a movie we started watching and I immediately paused it and I Googled it. And I found <laughs> they didn't die. So this is doesthedogdie.com and no, the dog does not die. No. The dog does not die. Everybody else is, you know, questionable, yeah. but the yeah. dog does not die. <laughs> okay, so January 11th, you can get this book. Pre-order yeah. it now. You get prezzies in the mail from Wednesday Books. Yes. Cool pin, cool, not pendant, cool necklace, pendant. pendant. There we go. Yeah. Um, and a bookmark and a book plate. And you do have social media. You have some stuff already planned. You're doing something with... Leslie, right? I'm on. Yes, we are doing an in-store event. If you live in Colorado near Denver, you can come to the Tattered Cover and see us in person. Awesome. It's going to be fun. And there'll be some other virtual events. Um, I'm doing one, I think, the next day with um, Shirin J. Zhao. We're going to talk about sci-fi. If you haven't read their book, Iron Widow, you should. I heard it's fantastic. Uh, I and there's a couple of other things that I don't have the details on Got yet, it. but we'll cool. see. Yay. So people can follow you on social media, and we will put all of your yes. your social media links up so that they can do that. Yes. It's just, hey, it's yeah. Meg. Hey, it's Meg. I love that so much. Hey, lots of ease. It's Meg. <laughs> it's the best. We'll put all that in the show notes, like Emily said. Yes. So. Yeah, I said that on a on a virtual panel like a week uh-huh. ago. We were all doing our socials at the end, and I was like, mine is, hey, it's Meg. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I still have your original like, Twitter I'm handle like, in my head. It's a lot of yeah, ease. It's a lot it. of ease. It's a lot of ease, is it? It's got a lot of ease. That's how I type. Yeah, but so. there aren't that many words that have like H-E-E. So once you put in that, then it always yeah, like, pops up for me. It'll then it's up. easy. That's why it's great. I love that. <laughs> well, thanks so much for talking to us. Yeah. This was so fun. Yeah, thank you for Yay. having me. It was super fun. I want to pre-order duties. 
Hello, pitches. Welcome to season two. I can't believe I get to say those words. And I get to say those words because of you all. And I cannot just thank you enough. Thank you to Meg Long for being on this episode. It was super great. Please go pre-order her book. You have one week left to do that. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. It's such a wonderful premise and the genre needs the support. Make sure you like, subscribe, do all the things the kids do with podcasts or whatever and tell people you like it. And we'll see you next time. Bye.